0: be involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show.
1: This this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM.
0: Welcome to Safety Wars. It happens. I mean, it's live radio. From the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars. Now I know I have to... Edit that out for the podcast. So from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. I'm able to do a live program tonight. My wife is back. Welcome back, honey. So uh, what's going on out there? We're headed into the weekend. Thank God! Now let's go back to the Matrix here. We're headed back into the week. We're headed on over into the weekend. One more day, sailing right through Thursday into Friday, right? I'll pull a uh, another radio show. That's Thursday, the day of Thor, Hammered Down. Okay, so. What are we uh, gonna talk about tonight? So we had another interview from the International Conference on Climate Change last month. We're going to be talking to someone from the Creative Society, Anastasia, and she will discuss her theories on global warming. Uh, she's a researcher uh, originally from Russia, who is uh, working in the chemical industry this, uh, in this country uh specifically manufacturing. And uh her and her research team uh believes I'll let her talk on that this whole climate change thing is there's a different mechanism for it. Other than uh other than the consensus. Right? Consensus is not truth. Science is not always a democracy. So uh, we're gonna have that. That's gonna start at roughly 37 minutes into the hour now that I screwed up the first two minutes not having the microphone on. We're gonna go into our regular ocean news and views. Now this morning I you know, Thursday morning is usually when I have the safety meetings on any of the jobs that I manage. We try to make them the same for the company at all the jobs, 7 a.m. every Thursday morning. Again, that's the ritual type thing that we talk about here on the program where you have to get into a ritual. So everyone knows on Thursday, we're having a safety meeting. This way, everybody's able to plan for it. And the reason why I have it on Thursday is it's uh, we find out what's going on all week. And then we discuss any safety issues that come up at the meeting. And it also gives everybody a chance to uh, have some input. I let the workers choose the safety meetings. No, I'm, how do you like that? Have the work, no, we have regulatory topics we have to cover and things, but uh, how about we have, uh, you let the workers choose the topic. How's that for an approach? This way. They're going to be more interested, more engaged. So we have a lot of news going on here. So this morning uh, at the safety meeting, we had a uh, somebody talk about, you know, uh, one of the other auditors had pointed stuff out, and the guy says, look, why are we going into this? We have a safe job site. We don't have any problems. We don't have any accidents and or illnesses. Didn't say any of those words, but those are what you're used to hearing on this show. I said, "Well," and you know, uh, and it's, it's repetition. All right. I said so. I asked, "So, try to ask a question, trying to get the person to think a little bit." I said, "Look," I said. So, with that way of thinking, right? That's how you're going to define what safe is right? Zero accidents, zero illnesses, zero injuries. What happens if you have one injury? Are you now an unsafe site? Something to think about. And said, the other thing is this, we do, we would like to have leading indicators and try to anticipate hazards. So we all work together here and trying to anticipate hazards. You guys are the experts in the work. We work together. I know what I know, but you know a whole hell of a lot more than I do about what specifically you're doing wouldn't you rather have some controls in place ahead of time? And so what do you mean? I said, well, let's say that uh, you have equipment that you're using as a construction site that has guards on it, right? It says, yeah, I do, we do. I said, well, what are the uh, protections here that you have in place? You have the guards, you have your training, you have Uh, use equipment use you have a lot of stuff on there and the last thing that you have is your ppe right yeah i said well if any one of those fails you still have your ppe on right any of the guards or procedure he says yeah i said okay how about with fall protection he says well what about fall protection i said well got to wear fall protection here. One is that, no, the law, you have the regulations there, obviously. And you go through the hierarchy of controls, all that stuff. I said on other jobs, they don't wear fall protection at all in this situation. So what are they relying on? Well, I said, well, they're relying on, they're relying on you not you not taking a misstep you being focused on what's going on around you so you don't fall into the area they're relying on you uh you have a vertigo situation right Uh, on occasion you said you're relying on you not having vertigo i said they're relying on you and i by the way we'll talk about that later on i told them uh you have uh all this other stuff going on that you're relying on so you don't fall in any one of those fails. You're falling in when well, you are wearing fall protection, where if you do fail, that doesn't mean that you, you know, you put fall protection on doesn't mean that you're all powerful and you can start, you know, repelling down the side, right? Not that kind of fall protection, but any of those fail, right? All those practices and everything else fail. Now you still have the PPE there, Right. You have multiple guards. You have multiple safeguards. You have multiple things going on here. You have lack of tripping hazards. You have housekeeping. You have many different things that go into fall protection, railing system, you know, the whole thing. So that's where we need to get going here on this site, I said, is that with that levels of control, levels of safeguards, So one of the older, more experienced gentlemen, this is a relatively uh, young laborer, one of the other gentlemen said, look, we understand what you're talking about, Jim. We kind of realize he's new to this. He says, what you're saying makes sense to us. What you're saying, right, is a mature way of looking at things. He says, we go out to these other jobs out there, And they start screaming and yelling at us and writing us up for this, that, the other thing, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I said, I'm not going to say I'll never write someone up. But that's like the last thing you want to do. We'd much rather put up controls and not be antagonistic towards people and try to coach them along, get the right equipment, right, and everything else. I, I, and I say, and he says, yeah, this is like the most relaxed job I've ever been on uh, with things. We just go come in here, do our work, do our right thing and you no, know, maybe we have a couple of laughs throughout the day and you know a little bit of camaraderie and then we go home. We go home safe and you know we're not all stressed out that the safety guy is looking over us. So well, that's what we got to do. That's what if you're a safety professional, that's what you got to do. It's called leadership, right? I'm not patting myself on the back, but this is the way I run jobs less antagonism, right? Getting along with people, but you still got to enforce the rules and the job standards and everything else that goes into it. But uh, the other thing is, if you treat them antagonistically, they'll deliberately not do stuff. How's that? Deliberately not do stuff. Oh, well, the safety guy is coming. I had a weird experience uh, last year on a project where uh you know, and you expect that, oh, the safety guys come and you hear that, you hear, you know, maybe a signal, does someone cough, some phone calls on the radio, any one of those things. One of the jobs I was on, they actually you and I had to and I'm like, Man, I know that signal. I know that signal. What was it? It was the rebel <sighs> Pardon me. It was the rebel yell from the Civil War which is also KKK symbol. I said, I, you know, I, I said, I, I pulled their, uh, supervisors. I told them what was going on. I said, they couldn't think of a better signal than a uh, KKK signal they're sending up. Doesn't make sense. Well, what do you mean? And I played it for him. He said, Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Like you didn't know, right? Because he was one of the ones doing it. But anyway, uh, so you had a little conversation. But anyway, that's what, what we try to do to here on Safety Wars is uh, we try to go out and have safety as you no know, safeguards in place, controls in place. Use whatever you want. Well, yeah, I don't like the word control because sometimes people feel like you're removing their agency with that, uh, their ability to make decisions. But what kind of controls are we going to have in place? and safeguards and there are many and no Todd Conklin uh said on a, on his podcast the other day rather than uh, send people out on a safety audit to find out what's wrong send them out on a safety order to figure out hey what controls do we have in place and can we add controls uh to different processes so it makes the job safer much better much more optimistic approach uh on that and it gets people talking and everything else so it's more or less like a learning team Well, we have a lot of news. Like I said, let me get get to it, and then uh, we'll go in there. Let's take a brief uh, commercial break here, and we'll come back.
1: You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. (laughs) With a powerful force of knowledge and support.
0: OSHA recordables. Catastrophic losses. Environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars.
2: That's my daddy!
0: And yes, I am your daddy. Okay. Here we have uh, from the OSHA news briefs from today. OSHA and the Colorado Healthcare Association have signed an ambassador-level alliance to provide long-term care workers in Colorado with information, guidance, and access to training resources. The alliance includes an emphasis on sharing information about common hazards in the healthcare industry and whistleblower protection laws. Ambassador-level alliances are recognized for working collaborative, uh, collaboratively on safety and health issues raised by stakeholders. Unlike basic alliances, ambassador agreements remain in effect for the duration of an ongoing cooperative uh, relationship. So what are, no, what, is, what are some of the hazards from healthcare workers other than the obvious uh, biological hazards, right? Bi- uh, bloodborne pathogens, things of that nature. Ergonomic stressors. Repetitive motions, back injuries, uh, uh uh those are the big ones, right? That, that that you see uh faced out there, as well as stress, man. Does EPA you no know, what I'm doing work in uh with for European companies, they uh know that they, they're amazed with the, you know you guys don't regulate stress at work. As I said very few companies do. It's not a requirement. They most likely do it through their insurance company. And it like, they're like, wow. Wow. Right. So, uh, yeah. So that's why you have a 16 hour work day here. EPA announces a hundred. And this is from the EPA website. EPA announces $170 million in WIFIA loan. We'll find out what that is. Uh, to help limit water shortages in San Diego County, California. So at West, they had a little bit of a climate change out there from the 1850s. So, uh, some of the history at West of California is historically, that's been an arid region. Uh, now this isn't in the EPA report, but this is just for me. All right. And, it's gotten, uh, except for a short period of time in uh, the 1700s, 1800s, something like that, in early 1900s. And it's been getting drier and drier out there. Uh, you know, we're uh, now it's just the way it is. So a lot of these areas are now people they realize that they built all these cities in arid areas. Now, what annoys the hell out of me, right, annoys the hell out of me, What's California? What's to the west of California? I know Catalina Island. I know. I know. Sammy Hagar concert, birthday bash one year during. Cal- I got that. Catalina Island, a wise guy. Hawaii. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, something like the Pacific Ocean. Why aren't they just desalinating water? I wonder what, if there's ever been a cost-benefit analysis for this, because that seems to me might be a better way of doing things. So uh, that's been my question. So this is what I'm surprised about here. Today, the U.S. EPA announced $170 million Water Infrastructure Finance and Innovation Act, that's WAFIA, loan to assign resources in San Diego, California, to support its Carlsbad Desalinization plate, intake modification wetlands project, which will help provide sustainable access to drinking water and protect local coastal wetlands. Diversifying and stretching precious water resources is an essential water scare is an essential and the water scares west, said EPA Assistant Administrator for Water, Radhika Fox. What does a fox say? Well we we just told you. The Wafia loan to the uh, resources in San Diego County will be used for both upgrading the drinking water desalinization plant to help address water shortages, stretch precious water supplies, and protect critical marine habitats in San Diego Bay. The Carlsbad desalinization plant provides approximately 10% of the San Diego's County's uh, region's water supply. So this is good, right? They have a desalinization plant. I mean, should, they should probably have more of them. That's probably where you want to go. That would, I don't know. There's no excuse. And this is the other thing. I spent a lot of time in California over the years. They, they're, no, they're treating, no, you go everywhere and the waste of water on uh, golf courses and everything else out there is unbelievable, <laughs> right? And this no, and, we'll, and even back, I'm not picking on only California. Most of these droughts are man-made. Right, from improper use of water, lack of planning, going back to our safety stuff out there, right, with, uh, you know, work safeguards, work controls, things of that nature. Anyway, uh, another one from the U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, The U.S. Department of Labor sues uh, Kansas restaurants owner, restaurants, comma, owner to recover you're going to love this summer. $771,000 in minimum wage and overtime back wages. Damages for 75 employees. USCOL has filed suit against the owner of two Kansas restaurants who allegedly uh, denied minimum and overtime wages to kitchen staff, servers, hosts, and food runners. And some worked as many as 66 hours per week. Considering what the minimum wages are for uh, people in restaurants often, right, uh, especially the servers. That's a lot of freaking money there, you know. The court uh, filing comes after investigation by the department's wage and hour division to identify the violations of the Fair Labor Standards Act and order the employers to pay $771,794. That's, uh includes fact wages and liquidated damages to 75 employees to resolve its infractions. Specifically, division investigators determined employers paid uh, servers a cash wage of two thirty per hour, then either paid them for eighty hours of pay period, regardless of number of hours they worked or paid overtime, and one and a half of their cash wage, two of two dollars thirty cents per hour for overtime. So by law, employers must pay tipped workers time and one and a half the minimum wage plus the tip credit. I never really understood it. Right. Yeah, I'm confused. But anyway, federal court orders uh, AIDS Department of Labor Recovery of $265,000 back wages for uh, 182 employees of a Milford drywall contractor. This is Milford, Ohio. Again, making sure, you know, uh, and if you're a contractor, this is... uh, Right. This is this is an issue. I've worked with contractors who hire subcontractors. That's where the problem ends, uh, ends up, where they're billing out outrageous amounts and then paying these people uh, uh, not even a not even a, uh, not even a uh, no a minimum wage on here. Right. So the resolution is a little bit a uh, standard, but uh, some things right. They're not allowed to hire any individual as a reported independent contractor. Hire only subcontractors whose businesses are registered in the state where work is being performed. Hire a third-party auditor to review company payroll. Require subcontractors uh, to sign affidavits uh, attesting to Fair Labor Standards Act for compliance. Allow the, the division to seize remaining assets in the company's account receivable up to the amount of remaining payments due. review or defaults on payments and to fully comply in the future. So again, does that, what does that have to do with safety? It has a hell of a lot to do with safety because if they're not paying people minimum wage, what kind of workers are they getting? Number one. And number two, are those workers trained? Uh, Are they covered by workers comp? Right. Any of that, are they going to, you know, uh, and everything else that goes along with it, uh, you know, uh, they're a bear to manage. I mean, we've got had people who, were in this situation, that come with workers, Now they'll work on a construction site, they're in flip-flops. And they know, no hard hats, no safety glasses, no gloves. Gloves, forget about it. And flip-flops and shorts, and they want to go out and work uh, on a construction site. I mean, it's ridiculous. Some uh, news from the Centers for Disease Control. Uh, TB is still here. New CDC data shows U.S. cases increased again in 2022. Preliminary tuberculosis data released by the CDC ahead of World, World TB Day show that the number of U.S. tuberculosis disease cases increased 5% in 2022 to 8,300 cases. The CDC is calling on health care providers and communities disproportionately affected by TB to uh, test. Right, so the TB disease cases increased in 2022, but did not return to pre-pandemic levels. Autism prevalence is higher, according to data from 11 uh, communities. Second report highlights disruptions in early autism detection at the start of COVID-19 pandemic. So, no, we're still going to be suffering from the effects of the pandemic for a long time. One in 36. Eight year old children have been identified with autism. This is uh, the press release with autism spectrum disorder, according to analysis published today in CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. The new findings are higher than previous uh, 2018 estimates that found a prevalence of 1 in 44. The data come from 11 communities in the Autism and Developmental Disabilities Monitoring Network, ADDM, and are not representative of the entire U.S. A second report on 4-year-old children in the same 11 communities highlights the impact of COVID-19, showing disruptions and in progress in early autism detection. In the early months of the pandemic, 4-year-old children were less likely to have an evaluation or be identified with ASD, that is autism spectrum disorder than eight-year-old children when they were the same age. This coincides with interruptions in child care and health services. So basically, the pandemic screwed everything up. Something else that screwed up is the economy. So we're going to go into our... Financial markets. Dow Jones Industrial finish up 32105 up 0.23%. S&P 500 is at 394872 up 0.3%. NASDAQ up to 1178740 up by 1.01%. Russell 2000 sank by 0.41% to 172029 20, U.S. Treasury note 10-year is up at uh, to three point four percent, Bitcoin is at twenty eight thirty six, twenty eight thousand three hundred sixty two point seventy two, and crude oil sank to sixty nine twenty nine a barrel. Going on to precious metals, gold uh, is at uh, is over two thousand ounces, two thousand and two point ten silver is up uh 2330 up from the last time we covered, talked about it here uh yeah it's up uh platinum is up $1005 palladium is up to 147050 right uh so up from yesterday so again remember those uh, uh commodity prices are always changing here Uh, uh, so here we have, uh, the checkup with Dr. Wen a newsletter, right on uh, the Washington post and mentioned an article you want to check out. Guess what? Social media use is linked to depression in teens. Really? Next thing you're going to tell me, the sky is blue, right? Uh, Florida State Representative. Oh, this is funny. Someone did this at a safety meeting, uh, several safety meetings on a job. It took months to figure it out. Florida State Representative appeared to get trolled by raunchy fake names during his committee's hearing considering several bills. This was uh, Florida House uh, uh, Civil Justice Subcommittee. Uh, the chairman was Will Robinson. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger, danger used to be a show called Lawson's Face. Moved to the committee into public testimony on fellow GOP right blah blah blah. So when everything was going good, and then he started writing uh, reading off names of people who were in uh, who were uh, in opposition of a bill. All right, so uh, here we go. Hey, I'm quoting here. Anita Dix is an appointment, Robinson said, looking around the room as the woman next to him covered her smile. Waves in opposition. Holden Hiscock is also an opponent, he continued on, looking around the room again. Waves in opposition. Right? At that point, everybody started laughing, apparently. Uh, But anyway... Got to watch for those names, right? I mean, it was uh, funny that some of the names on that safety meeting because there were were, uh, fake uh, near-miss reports someone was putting in, and they put fake names on there, and it was just real, you know. Uh, The guy looked like Mr. Peterman from from, uh, Seinfeld and had the same exact delivery, right, of it. Okay. Bipartisan senators pushed to ban China from buying U.S. farmland. A group of bipartisan U.S. senators introduced a bill on Wednesday to ban the purchase of U.S. farmland by Chinese persons and entities. Now, what's this about? A couple of things. Number one, f- sovereign funds are coming in. That means funds from other countries. Buying up American farmland to export uh, uh, agriculture to whatever the country is. Saudi Arabia has renamed. named. Uh, China apparently has renamed, But this is also a security issue because they're buying up lands around military bases. As we all know, especially with the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, if you start a business in China, you are automatically part of the CCP and the military and everything else. So what they're worried about is that agricultural land gets bought up and then they don't create agriculture and it creates a supply chain issue and everything else. So as of December 31st, 2020, last uh, time that they were uh, that they kept statistics, China owned 325,686 acres of U.S. agricultural land, according to the Department of Agriculture while the acreage under Chinese ownership is slightly less percent, less than one percent of all foreign held agricultural land, it is an increase of 20fold lead from uh, previous numbers in 2010. So again you know that we're in a peeing ma- match with China here and you know food security. Uh, I was listening to an interview of hold on I have her name right here. She was on coast to coast a m last night, and as you know, I was on coast to coast a m over the weekend uh do 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 hold on. Who was it last night? Hold on. Oh, I hate this. Okay, food preparedness was uh, by the guest was Marjorie Wildcraft, Wildcraft, uh, who uh, on food shortages, and you know I listened to the program and I said, oh well, you know we knew this was coming for an awful long time, food shortages. Even talking, no, I do disaster response preparation, disaster preparation. We know all about food uh, shortages that have been predicted for literally generations. Well, apparently it's coming to fruition. I went to buy, I love pepperoni. I love pepperoni. I, we, my son and I, we make pepperoni sandwiches. I like cheese and crackers and pepperoni and things of that nature. Guess what? Same price. price of pepperoni didn't go up for package. was the same price, but now it's half the amount. How do you like that? All right, so I, you know, uh, you know, you spend one hundred and one bucks. I picked up groceries for one of the projects I managed yesterday. They say hey, Jimmy, on the way in, uh, can you make a grocery run? We need—we're out of coffee here, so I, yeah, I'll make it. It's like uh, at the end of it, you no, know, you spend fifty bucks, and you're like, what the hell did I just buy? That's inflation, right? Uh, now again, something that you need to uh, be aware of. Let's see how we're doing on time here. So uh, we're going to be... Hold on. We're going to be uh, going right into our interview right here. So if we have a a little bit of dead air, I apologize uh, here. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. This is our interview with... uh, from the Creative Society, who I met at... uh, uh, at Okay, we are live right now. Let me make sure everything's working here. Mm -hmm. Yes, we got everything. Okay, Okay. I am here, I gotta read this, with With Anastasia Anastasia Ashigriva. I got it right? Yes, Yes, that's correct. She is with with the the Creative Creative. Society, and uh, she's uh, Russian-educated, Uh, Has a PhD from chemistry, chemistry, but I'm gonna let her do her introduction here. So tell us about yourself
2: Yeah, hello Jim. Hello Jim. Thanks a lot for invitation. My name is Anastasia Pashagriva and I'm PhD chemist. Currently, I work for R&D for the industrial company, and we're designing like chemical plants and new technologies in uh, gas processing things. But uh, like I'm here as a part of the Creative Society. I'm volunteer for Creative Society, and Creative Society is an international volunteering movement which unites people from 180 countries, and everything we do what we do in our free time.
0: That's great. So are you local here or down in Orlando? Uh,
2: uh, we are, uh, I I live in St. Louis, Missouri. And a little bit of a ride.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, a little bit. <laughs>
0: so uh, I was watching with your discussion here with one of your colleagues on, the, on uh, basically on ocean currents and also volcanic activity here in here on this planet but also on other planets also can you briefly go into that i know it's a two and a half hour long presentation you have on youtube which we're going to try to link up with this podcast
2: yeah, thank so. you very much, Jim, uh, for bringing it. This is very important presentation. It is uh, in this presentation we are talking about um, twelve thousand year cycle. It is the major cycle for uh, the natural disasters, and uh, the um, this information is essentially presenting uh, like a coherent presentation of what's going on with the climate and uh, with the natural disaster right now, including the glaciers melting, uh, the changes in the currents, warming of the ocean, earthquakes and uh, eruptions, and like uh, accordingly like atmospheric changes. And that all is linked to the changes uh, which is occurring currently in an earth core. And uh, these all, this all impact is not only changing on, on Earth, but it's also changes we observe on other planets of the solar system and the sun itself. And it's all indication for some external factor which we call like galactic radiation. And like essentially this is the causing for this 12,000 year cycle. And all geological evidence really showing that the earth going through this process every 12,000 years and a kind of like whole humanity is going through this bottleneck for survival and creative society is really like making research in this area and we making monitoring for natural disasters. And so far everything falls in this model.
0: So one of our uh, focuses here on safety wars, right, industrial <coughs> safety, but we talk, especially every September, disaster preparation. Uh, we also do uh, safety training for uh, disaster response workers. I'm an authorized trainer for that, and also for environmental cleanups and everything else with that. Average person, I've, by the way, if you're in the industry, quote unquote, the industry, uh, I've heard about this cycle going back at least 15 years, 20 years. This is not new information, but it's probably new information for the average person Mm -hmm. out there. And we're all about, like I said before the interview, don't be manipulated, be informed.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. For the average
0: person, what does this mean? This new data that you have, this new information, quote unquote, new, at least is new for them. What does uh, this mean? What should we, as we know, earthquakes? We, we're, we're just, mm-hmm. uh, we're just. Uh, I work with a bunch of Turkish folks, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's horrible what's going on there in Turkey. And you have to hear the stories every day. What does it mean for the average person here? Because I tell you what, when you see the graphic, the number of earthquakes mm-hmm. around the mm-hmm. Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. and uh, areas like Turkey seems to be around war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does this mean?
2: So for average person, it means that uh, if you live in a seismically active region, then the most probably you will be impacted. And also we see that the earthquakes developing in kind of considered untypical places because of a lot of um, like crust uh, breakages are taking place. And the thing that is that is um, it's pretty hard to, to understand what is a safe area. And for average person, you really need to understand that this is going on. You need to prepare, like, to have this 72 survival bag, because we monitor, just, it's not only about earthquakes, about the, we observe the increase in natural disasters, and we document that. And we observe the increase in the tornadoes, and in, in the United States, and in Europe, including. It was absolutely untypical for Europe, but it's going on right now. So...
0: So I know uh, with the global warming, that's what we're here for the Interdick, uh National Conference mm-hmm. on Climate Change. Mm-hmm. It seems like one side is blaming global no, global climate change is causing all these tornadoes and this and that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and tor- I mentioned tornadoes because that's a specific yes. atmospheric mm-hmm. hazard. It seems like what your research has shown, your organization and everything else, that it might actually be more to do with geological absolutely issues yeah you're right
1: carbon
2: <laughs> wow. I'm really impressed because you catch this so fast I'm really impressed thank you very much thank Jim you. Yes, and it's just yeah, like it's a lot of a lot of things. We interview a lot of uh, people from uh, from Heartland Institute, and they absolutely write on bringing that the current warming is not related to CO two. It is absolute truth, and it's a lot of scientific uh, scientific basis for that. But it's also today was presented in one of the presentation with Job Astardi and Professor Viterita, that this warming is essentially caused by from it's coming from the ocean, and this ocean is heated from from the bottom. And essentially like this is an indication of changes in the Earth Core. So like it's all kind of we are we are in line with the message from uh, from this conference that it's not CO two, but we this like a lot of people saying there is no natural disasters and we see a lot of manipulation on earthquake data, on natural disasters data, and the media is under reporting cases so that we are kind of a lot of people are not aware of what's going on. They see that there is something changes, but they, since it's a kind of like, they are scared that it's because of CO2, they're forced to use all these like EV or like solar panels, but that will not work. The threat comes from the Earth core, and it is geological, like ge- having geological origin.
1: So
0: uh, your take on this is slightly different than a lot of other folks, because I, there's a lot of people in this movement, whatever you want to call it, anti-climate change, whatever mm-hmm. yes. label, there's many of yes. them. Let's say that natural disasters are not increasing. However, your data shows that a certain types of natural disasters are increasing. Absolutely. Now, I'm not familiar with 12,000 year cycle and everything else uh, with that whole thing, all right, uh, which you just discussed. Mm-hmm. Where do you see this going in 10, 15, 20 years? Do you see an increase, a decrease? There's been a lot of data out there that says, like, with a magnetic pole shift, Mm -hmm. that happens most likely automatically. But as we know, magnetic north shifts, I forget how many miles every year. It is 55 miles per year, yeah,
2: compared to 10 years before 1995.
0: Wow. So where do you see this going in 10 years?
2: Uh, The sad thing we don't have 10 years. And this was reported during our forum, Global Crisis, Our Survival in Unity. The mathematical model we presented, which was uh, put together 10 years ago, and we checked it for eight years. And like so uh, what we what we said is that in we have five to six years, relatively stable years, when we kind of cannot change our living conditions. If we don't proceed, if we don't change anything, then by 2030, the economical losses from natural disasters will be higher than GPT of all countries, and we will not be able to recover. And like what we observe, you, you can cut it out, just feel free. And what is horrible thing that uh, based on this model, uh, by 2036, uh, the huge hydraulic impact is going to happen. But that means that it will, it will have, like the, um, uh, we are talking that there is a very thin crust currently in the Mariana Trench. And this, the thickness of the crust, it is just 5 kilometers. And right. underneath, we have a rising magma. And we know that Mariana Trench, it is 11, uh, over 11 kilometer, kilometers deep. So, like this uh, mathematical model predicts that it will be major rupture which will cause the uh, huge contact contact of a huge amount of magma with water. You know what happened then metal goes in contact with water. Right. you know yeah. how catastrophic it is yeah. so and then we have this major rupture that creates really huge explosion, and that explosion can can remove our atmosphere and mm-hmm. it will be the end of the life on our right. our planet
0: so, uh and the Mariana Trench, just for a review, that's you know, with the pressure of the water pushing yes. downward. Yes. And you have the magma coming up. This is what one of the things that drives plate tectonics. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. With the yeah. separation. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. see that mm-hmm. South America mm-hmm. and uh, Africa. Yes. Yeah. Right? In there. So a rupture of that Mariana tr- Trench, which you're saying is thinning, would be uh, catastrophic for pretty much all life yes. on the planet. That's, okay, now that we have that. Now, there's also, uh, I heard you discussing the Yellow Snow yellow Caldera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is another one. I forget where that uh, is. Taopa
2: volcano. Taopa super volcano in New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah.
0: All right. What, are, what, are, what might happen there? Because I've heard about those for about 15 years, 20 years mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Uh, since I've been following this. What mm-hmm. would happen with those? By the way, I'm loving this discussion. Mm-hmm. Right. I've had to dig deep in my mind to remember this. Uh, well, there was actually a movie, 2112, uh, 2012, uh, that came out in 2011 with uh, John Cusack, who is was the boyfriend of, a high school boyfriend of one of my friends, by the way, uh, with a caldera, preaching and everything. How does this all factor into this? This Is this, uh, This is pretty pretty much the the same thing, or is there like a selection selection? between the New Zealand Yellowstone and the Marianas? Or will this be all at the same time, one thing at a time? What happened?
2: Um, Essentially, um, I think um, just. Uh, what what can uh, what what is the danger current danger? We observe that it's a lot of volcanic eruptions. So for since November, after we had forum till till now till today is a February, and uh, we observe over fifty volcanic eruptions, and they are going on so called hotspots. It's there like it was the pre existing magma chambers and volcanoes going by doublet, doublets. So essentially, it is two of them. That is an indication of very high pressure in the system because, you know, like they are working as a kind of like this pressure relief valve. One, one works like right. relatively enough. But then you see this activation of ordinary volcanoes. It means that magma made their way uh, through the existing pathways. And it means that the magma will also go through the n- create non-existing pathways. And the most recent data really showing that magma could rise several kilometers within few days. So, and because it was believed that it is geological process and it takes like millions of years, then you will get this magma rising. But the current eruptions in Iceland showing super fast rate of eruption, enormous pressures, like pressure in one of the Iceland volcanoes recorded, it was like 5,000 bar. And this is really humongous pressure. I think it's five times higher than in Mariana yes. Trench, on the bottom of Mariana Trench. And when we talk about super volcanoes, then we see all this, like, ma- rising of magma because of the changes in the earth core and additional energy it gets. It is activating super volcanoes. And, like, right now, we c- um, we collaborate with uh, Mary Greeley, and she's, she's in her news, uh, like, recording Yellowstone thing. Yes. She's doing everyday... Everyday uh, think and. Isn't she the one who's
0: trying to to develop develop a model for predicting earthquakes?
2: Um, like we currently don't work uh, with about predicting earthquakes, but we collaborate oh, with scientists who are yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: that name that you mentioned, I've heard uh-huh. her
2: before many, many times. Mary Greeley, yeah. yes, she's she's brilliant. I strongly recommend her. Yeah. She has YouTube channel and um Twitter, and she is really up to bringing like all this disaster preparation information right. and this truthful information. She learned how to analyze all seismograms and everything by herself. How did
0: you get involved? This is your uh, PhD in chemistry. You work with industrial types of plants, processes, this sort of thing. I wanted to ask you about that. Also, how did you get involved in this? This is uh, very, very, I find this very interesting. Unbelievably.
2: Yes, absolutely. So it will probably sound strange. I no, well, I, always, <laughs> I always I always uh, was feeling um, with kind of I'm I'm not from the United States, and I had always feel that the United States is going to be a dangerous region in terms of the natural disasters, and that was from. I don't know. I never. I don't know from where I had this feel and understanding. Uh, but then once I learned about this mathematical model, which is essentially like showing, like step by step, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And once kind of I saw all that, it's kind of I was living with with this feeling that it's going something something going to happen, and in the world. And once I saw that model. I recognize that I really cannot stay still, you know, like just when you have this information, you have responsibility and it is, I feel that it's my, it's my duty to share this information with people. And what Creative Society brings for that, we as a humanity should unite our efforts and only being united, we will be able to overcome such a huge threat like coming natural disasters. And therefore we lift in human life as the highest value because it needs to be embedded in in every head because we are talking about the huge threat. It's not about, you know, like one nation, which is worse for another. We really have one big fight, which we need to win and therefore I'm part of creative society. So,
0: often have the feeling that you describe, and I'm very familiar with it, it's called the quickening, mm-hmm. right? That's what we call it in English. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, uh, it's biblical almost, the statement of quickening, or if you yeah. like Hatteland yeah. or mm-hmm. in- mm-hmm. the movie TV series, where it's almost like uh, uh, the book of Revelation describes this as a woman in labor, sort of in that kind mm-hmm. of imagery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm Nothing am that's mm-hmm. what happens. All right. I know with me, and I'm not going to share the story here because this is about you, <laughs> where I've had that feeling and then at a certain point it subsided because I got involved with this and this and everything else. Where I got into the worry phase, into the action phase. Mm-hmm. Did that happen with you here, where you have these feelings of dread or of something's going to happen? Has this helped you discover all these mathematical models and everything that you you're we discussed here? Has that helped you... And with getting no. through, because that's, that's psychological, psychological uh, um, safety, Do you still have that feeling.
2: Oh, uh, like I, I know what is going on, and the longer I work on this kind of, uh, the more pieces come in together, and right. I see what's going on, and it's a kind of reality in which I live, and I think it's essentially. My, my duty to, to deliver this information, maybe it sounds very no, no, no. <laughs> very strange. No. It's just no, because a lot of people cannot, cannot take this information and they are not prepared. But like um, just day by day, we see that it is truth and we see all how these puzzles coming together. And what we see right now that things are developing much faster than we were expecting. And, like, we really kind of, like, this rush for Creative Society said because we are all volunteers understand this thread and that we, like, really need united efforts of people. We need everyone to be involved and share this information. Because, like, our YouTube channels were deleted recently. It was 25 channels deleted before. Yesterday it was other channels deleted where we interview scientists, where we talk about the earthquakes, where we talk about... uh, uh, volcanic eruptions and this is all being deleted and this is really like people really should get access to this information.
0: There are other online platforms I'll share with you uh, that were recommended to me uh, based on this. Uh, and I won't go into them here. Uh, so industrial safety, you're designing these plants and everything like that. Mm-hmm. How much is safety that you do in the United States? At well, what point does safety become in, come into your process with engineering? Because I see a lot of engineering out there where, hey, we, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then as a safety professional, you're like... Uh, I don't think that's gonna work that's so like just
2: mm-hmm. I think um, our our company having really strong culture on safety and before you initiate any process or before you bring any new chemical you go through the safety procedures and like at least like you should be understanding what are the dangers like how you fret the spills and all this information if you are building like if you're building the pilot plant then you understand like where what, what is the, the high-pressure system, how electricity right. works, what, what will happen with your chemical before, after, and all this process should be considered before bringing anything to the lab. Right. That
0: says it all right there. Uh, I, I want to thank you. This, this has been a phenomenal discussion. I was not expecting all this information <laughs> here because this has been a business of mine for many years as the listeners. No, right? With well, uh, disasters and everything else. But a lot, you've given everybody a lot to think about here. And uh, I look forward to maybe working with you folks in the very near future.
2: We, you learn on that, about that. we would be really happy. And you can find more information from creativesociety.com, from our YouTube channel, Creative Society. And like, we are really open and we really need more people who understand what's going on.
0: Okay, hey, thank you. you. That, that was, was Anastasia Ajegriva. I got it right. Yes. I hope.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, Jim. Yeah. Thank you so thank much. You.
1: Is
0: your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Posel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces.